Hello and a warm welcome to this week's edition of Econoday Unplugged on Tuesday the 17th of August 2021. Terry Sheehan is stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins in London. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand had been widely expected to break ranks and raise its benchmark interest rates by 25 basis points later today. Indeed, even a 50 basis point increase was anticipated in some quarters. However, earlier on Tuesday, the country's Prime Minister announced a surprise three-day emergency lockdown in response to just a single new case of COVID-19. And as a result, tightening in New Zealand may now have to wait. Either way, a turn in the monetary policy cycle there should not be seen as flagging liftoff elsewhere. Rather, fresh signs of slowing growth in China, record COVID cases and a newly extended state of emergency in Japan, as well as an apparent collapse this month in consumer sentiment in the US, are all factors helping to ensure that pressure remains on the other major central banks to stay cautious and retain their highly accommodative stances. It's also worth noting that the Taliban's remarkably rapid, rapid takeover in Afghanistan seems to have given at least a small boost to lower risk assets too. Anyway, Terry, you had a nice watch of US data digest over the last few days, and I guess we should start off with the consumer sector. In particular, what on earth happened to household sentiment this month, and does it have any bearings for the Fed? Um, I think it does. Uh, I think a lot of the drop was in sentiment, not actual that will not actually result in uh, deterioration in consumer spending or anything like that. I think people were rocked back by the rapid advances in the COVID variants and the fact that large swaths of the U.S. are seeing pandemic increases in infection rates, deaths. Uh, So I think that is what has really hit consumers in the U.S. hard. Um, Normally, I would look for this number to actually be revised higher later in the month, but the news out of Afghanistan is so dire right now Mm -hmm. that I think we're going to see these lower sorts of readings for consumer confidence for another month or two at least. Do you think it actually has any implications for spending, or is it just confidence going to go down, but people will continue to spend anyway? Um, Well, I think what's going to happen in the U.S. is uh, we've had the arrival of the child tax credit payments. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if this happens elsewhere, but some states in the U.S. declare a sales tax holiday late in July and early in August for the back to school period, since many U.S. households are going to be sending their children actually back to class this fall or have at least planned to. Um, I think there's going to be certainly a fairly strong level of spending associated with that. We won't see that data until next month. Um, We did just get the July retail sales this morning, which were eh, all right. Um, But the data collection may not have fully captured all the sales at the end of the month. So that number could well be revised higher next month. And that was, was it down just over 1% from the barrel, it was not? Yeah, but, you know, we'd had such extremely strong spending um, earlier from stimulus payments, tax refunds, such as that, um, and a fairly optimistic consumer who was seeing a revived economy. Uh, We were getting fairly rapid increases in wages and salaries, especially for workers coming back into the service sector. 
so um, you know there was there were reasons that spending was stronger over the spring months and earlier in the summer. Um, so I think it's natural to expect a certain amount of pullback from there. But um, I, I think these big exogenous events like the the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan are probably going to have less direct effect on consumer spending than things like perceptions of higher prices for food, energy, things like that. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, you had some slightly better news though, on industrial production. So, um, yes. goods production doing okay, your side? Well, it does seem to be. Uh, I mean, a lot of today's increase reported for July was due to uh, a strong comeback for motor vehicle production. Uh, that's likely to be a one-off, but it does look like we've got a modest, consistent underlying trend for gains in the industrial sector, which is a good thing. Okay, and um, I've got to ask you about inflation, obviously, since last week we had the, uh, the July CPI update and indeed what the PPI as well. Both yeah. still seem to be running at an extremely high level. So, I mean, is the jury still out on as to whether or not this is going to be transitory or whether perhaps a little bit more structural? Well, I don't think the Fed's ready to let go of the idea that it's transitory as yet. Um, I do think they're going to be a little more concerned about how accurate their forecast is for that. What was interesting in the uh, consumer sentiment report is we also got data on inflation expectations by consumers. And that for the median term, which is about their five-year measure, uh, was up to 3%. We have not seen that for a very long time. And I think that's going to be a bit of a red flag for the Fed in terms of um, wondering about the credibility of their inflation target and if they're going to have to raise rates sooner than they expected, even though the labor market isn't back to where they want it to be. Mm, okay, interesting. Excellent. Um, anything else from your side you think is worth putting into the pot? Well, I will say that some of the early data on the housing market looks mm -hmm. like we're beginning to see cooling there. Uh, some people were worried about we were going to get a bubble in housing, but it looks like in spite of the fact that our mortgage rates are still near historic lows, um, that the increase in prices and the previously satisfied demand for housing is going to cool the market down just a little bit. Okay, before I let you go, um, you, you, I don't know if you believe in these things or not, but I always like to ask um, who are, ask where I'm talking about um, about them. Uh, Nowcast coming out the Fed. I notice the New York Fed is talking third quarter growth. Uh, your your side, US GDP, three point eight percent. Is that kind of what you reckon might be a reasonable reasonable number at the moment? Or indeed, well, got any idea what the market might be thinking about? Well, we're just beginning to get some of these early Nowcasts. We get them out of the Atlanta Fed the St. Mm -hmm. Louis Fed and the New York Fed. Uh, the New York Fed is actually pretty good in terms of predicting what the quarter is going to look like. But we have to take into account that we are very early yeah, in sure. the available data. Um, I think it's not a bad forecast. Um, the other ones look like they're running around 6%, but we tend to see mm -hmm. a lot of variance in these, especially in the early weeks. They, they'll come closer together as the quarter progresses and we get more data. Um, but, you know, I think that's not an unreasonable forecast. And in fact, it's 
probably good if we slow down growth a little bit to a more sustainable level. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much for that. Right then, well, as I mentioned in the intro, um, a focal point for financial markets this week was supposed to be the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the RBNZ, um, and what they're going to do with their policy later today. Now, the new lockdown I mentioned certainly makes a rate hike today that much less likely. Um, but nonetheless, it probably at most only defers it. I mean, crucially for New Zealand, and one reason why we should perhaps look at New Zealand rather differently from a lot of the rest of the world at the moment, is that unemployment out there is back at its pre-crisis level. So that together with inflation being above target and indeed rising, and the central bank itself already looking at ways to tighten mortgage lending standards to halt what is essentially a worryingly big housing market bubble at the moment. The fundamental reasons for expecting a rate hike today are pretty well still in place. So even if we don't see the RBNZ move later on today, and psychologically, I think you know that would have, be, have quite an important impact as far as financial markets in general concerned, even if it's going to be a standalone event just, just out of New Zealand. Um, it is reasonable to expect a, a hike in interest rates coming through quite soon. Uh, and just for reference, the, the next RBNZ meeting after today will be on the 5th of, uh, 5th of October. Okay, into Europe then. Well, there's not too much going on really over here at the moment. I guess from the numbers side, it's just the uh, the industrial production sector, which is getting most of the attention. And that continues in contrast to Terry's side to look pretty disappointing, really. Last week, June industrial production was down 0.3% on the month, and that was its third fall in the last five months. So the actual level of output now itself is uh, back down to where it was last October. And indeed, it's still almost 2% below where, below its pre-crisis level um, going back before the pandemic struck. So, you know, we really are still talking very much a sector which, despite strong demand, continues to struggle due to these ongoing supply disruptions, which are having a, a major impact upon the sector's ability to get hold of vital raw materials. Um, otherwise, out of the, out of Europe, I guess, uh, in terms of the UK, numbers here continue to hold up pretty well. And again, that continues to be fairly supportive of the pound. The May GDP numbers, the monthly numbers, showed uh, a 1.0% month-on-month gain, which put second quarter UK GDP um, up 4.8% quarter-on-quarter. Uh, if we put it into uh, annualised terms, we're talking about over 20%. So second quarter was extremely good as far as the UK economy is concerned. But of course, it also suffered one of the worst recessions immediately after COVID arrived. So the economy itself is still around about 3%, it's 3% or so smaller than it was uh, before the start of the pandemic itself. That's some fairly strong labour market numbers out today as well, which also suggests that the third quarter has probably got off to a fairly bullish start as well. So although the idea of a, a hike coming out of the Bank of England is probably still some way off yet, it does seem reasonable to assume at the moment anyway that uh, the Bank of England could be after the, uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, one of the one of the first of the, the runners to actually come out and finally raise interest rates, but say don't expect that anytime soon. Elsewhere, I should mention uh, Canada PM uh, Justin Trudeau on Sunday announced that there'll be an early general election there. Uh, that will now be held on the 20th of September. Trudeau, of course, heads the minority Liberal government. He's obviously hoping to benefit from the recent rapid acceleration of the vaccination rate. In fact, about 72% of the country's eligible population is now fully vaccinated. And of course, uh, there what appears to be a pretty strong domestic economy as well. For the Bank of Canada, it's unlikely to have any immediate implications. Uh, they'll be making 
making their next policy announcement on the 8th of September. And by and large, markets there still anticipating some additional tapering of their quantitative easing programme. I want to round off this week with just some quick mentions of what's going on in Asia since um, I think as we've seen from the way the bond markets and asset markets in general are moving at the moment, investors are clearly becoming increasingly concerned about the outlook for global growth, even if the US is doing quite nicely. There's certainly parts of Asia which begin to struggle a little bit now and the European recovery in general too, if anything, uh, is not looking quite as sharp as it could be. So in China then for July, we had both factory output and retail sales growth slowing quite sharply and significantly by more than expected. And that's really, again, just a reflection of uh, an increase in new COVID-19 outbreaks, as well as some of the floods they had, which disrupted some uh, fairly chunky parts of business operations in China during the month. So that's all adding to earlier signs that the economic recovery is losing momentum there. Um, just to mention a few quick numbers, uh, industrial production, that's it was up 6.4% on the year in July, but that's down from 8.3% um, in June. And similarly, retail sales growth has slowed from just over 12% to 8.5%. And that comes after news earlier that we saw um, export growth also starting to slow a little bit too. So don't be too surprised if we see some additional, at least light easing measures coming out of uh, the People's Bank of, of um, China before too long. And also it's worth just mentioning uh, Japan. We had the, uh, the second quarter national accounts there, which showed the economy expanding 0.3% on a quarterly basis just for the second quarter. So that's one 1.3% at an annualized rate. So that more than wipes out, or sorry, um, dust fails rather, I should say, to wipe out the 3.7% drop we saw in the first quarter. Now, there was some better news on consumption investment, but the bottom line is that the latest rebound is still nothing to write home about. Indeed, if you compare it with some of the figures elsewhere, the US up 6.5%, Eurozone 8.2, and the UK just almost 21%, um, it really doesn't stand up too well. And indeed, total output in Japan is also still 1.5% below its pre-coronavirus level. Um, so it, things are looking a little bit difficult as far as Japan's concerned at the moment. COVID cases out there are now above 20,000 a day, new COVID cases, and that's the highest we've seen there since the pandemic started. And as mentioned in Yinto, the current state of emergency in a number of regions, including crucially Tokyo, has been extended through mid-September. So there's a real chance we could see some hit to third quarter demand. So I meant to put it all together. It's a bit of a messy picture as far as the world's concerned at the moment. Uh, politics clearly a result of Afghanistan doesn't look too clever. And certainly as far as uh, policymakers in general are concerned, they must be looking over their shoulders at what's going on with COVID and wondering when and if this, uh, this virus will finally be tackled. OK, then that is it from me for today. Last chance, Terry, happy on your side? Happy on my side. That's what we like to hear. OK, so that's it for us then. Um, on behalf of Terry and myself, thanks as always for listening. We'll be back next week. And as ever, in the meantime, all the key market moving data and events can be found listed and analysed in Econoday's comprehensive global economic calendar. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.